When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code POD to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code POD at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code POD. What's up, Knicks fans? It is a hard Knicks life. We are available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play. And now we are also available live every Wednesday at 11 Eastern. A.M. Da- Thanks, Barry. I appreciate that. Yeah, you, you at didn't least, say that last, last week. Uh, well, at least now all of you know Barry's here. <laughs> 11 a.m. Eastern on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. SeatGeek, Barry. Everyone needs to use SeatGeek and use promo code HARDNICKSLIFE. All caps, no spaces, for $20 off your first purchase. So all we care about, Barry, is that people use it once and then we don't care. Go back to Ticketmaster. <laughs> right? No. No, always use SeatGeek. They're the Forever? Best. Forever, forever and ever. But that promo code is only a one-time thing. I understand that. All right, is there any intro you would like to say to everyone before we uh, kick off the show? Uh, no. You know what? We're three weeks into the season just barreling through. I got, I got nothing for you. We're going to get into that on the other side. Plowing through with nothing. It is a hard Knicks life. This is season two, episode... 16? <laughs> I don't want to say yes. with confidence if I'm wrong. Episode 16. On this episode of It's a Hard Nick's Life. Excuse me, everybody. Whoever hit my car in the last three minutes and damaged my side view mirror and didn't have the guts to leave a note or tell anybody, thank you very much. Wow. We're outside the Korean barbecue place and Craig was in the restroom and we look at the time. It was 1.13 and the train was leaving at 121. Meanwhile, Craig was still inside the restaurant. And I think, JB, you said, you, like, you, you were looking at me and, and our buddy saying, do you guys just want to go and like catch that train as if to say we're going to ditch Craig there? But JB did kind of ditch me, by the way. <laughs> he did. He did. We said our goodbyes. Did JB that. didn't I even did wait. And I don't think he had a train to catch either. The Frank haters are back. He's sort of uh, gone back into his shell like a little turtle. Eh, worse than that. He plays like a bona fide all-star. I mean, and it's not just the numbers he's putting up. It's the way that he gets them. What did you think about Knox playing five minutes in that game? What was the point of that? I don't know. You know, I really, <laughs> I really don't get it. All right? You don't like him? Fine. But don't tell me that he's, he's scum. He's a nothing. <laughs> he's never going to amount to anything. You don't fucking know. What is up, Barry D? Craig, how you doing, buddy? I love how you just have to say Craig, and it's so uneventful. Well, you, you mentioned you don't want me to say your last name anymore because of uh, people finding you, hunting you down on Facebook. So I can call you by your nickname, Axe. I call you Axe more than I do Craig in real life. I never call you Craig in real life. I always call you Axe. So, so maybe go with that. Yeah. What's up, Axe? How you doing, Barry? I'm doing fine, just, uh, you know, trying to process all the uh, Knicks action 
you know, between the uh, yeah. double overtime the other night and, uh, you know, second game of the back-to-back. How you doing? I'm not having a good day. Why not? I'm having a hard Knicks, one of those hard Knicks life days today. Yeah, talk to me about it. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, dude, first of all, I woke up today, right? Last right. night was that awful double overtime Knicks-Wizards game. And Frank's been playing awful the past couple games. And the Frank haters are back. And that puts me in a bad mood. Right. And on top of that, this morning I voted. Did you vote? Yes, I voted. How'd that process go for you? Went well. I got to my uh, poll area, my poll uh, school. And the parking lot, my location, the parking lot was packed. So many cars. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be in here forever. I had my kids with me because... my wife had work, but my kids were all from school. So I had them with me. I'm like, oh, my God, we're going to be here forever. Um, but I walked in there, and it was like one, two, three. So I don't know where all those cars were from, but there was like really not many people inside. Maybe it was just all the people working the, uh, you know, the volunteers and stuff, but it was very strange. But, uh, no, I was in and out and uh, felt good and uh, went on with the rest of my day. I was in and out in two minutes, but you know what happened to me when I got out of that polling place? What happened? I'm walking out of the polling place. I'm going to my car. Meanwhile, I'm a good person. So I held the door open for an old lady when I went into the polling place. Right. Even though I'm pretty sure she was Republican, but I did it anyway. (laughs) And then I held the door open for someone else on the way out. And then I was walking to my car and I'm looking at my phone. I'm on Facebook. And I'm like, I'm going to post, you know, I'm going to do one of these messages that I just voted. Okay. Right. So I'm like typing it up, looking down at my phone, walking to my car. Like, I'm going to post, you know, just did my part in trying to save the world or something like that. I thought that was clever, right? And then I look up from my phone when I get to my car, dude, and half of my side view mirror is laying on the ground in the parking lot. Oh, you're kidding. And the little, like, blinker thing that's on the side view is, like, dangling from from the wire. Somebody smashed into my side view mirror. And there was nobody around? In the two minutes that I was in that place. And there was nobody around. Unbelievable. There was nobody parked next to me when I got there. So it was someone came into the spot next to me in those couple minutes, hit my car, and then either left or moved on to another space without telling anybody. You didn't have your MAGA bumper sticker on that car, did you? I don't have a MAGA, 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 or any kind of bumper stickers. Okay. So I was pissed off, Barry. So I took matters into my own hands. What does that mean? Well, I went back into the polling place. I wanted to find out if there was video cameras out there, right? Yeah. Because I was angry. So, <laughs> so I go nobody's, in. Nobody's going to help you with that. <laughs> I asked these old ladies who were at the tables. They don't know shit. And I'm like, hey, do you know if there's cameras on the buildings or anyone who has anything to do with the building here? And they were like, yeah, actually, this guy right here sitting on this bench would know. Oh, really? We go up to, yeah. We go up to him. And it's a small town. We go up to him and ask him. And he's like, nope, no cameras. Like, very, like, he wasn't like, what's wrong or no, why? No, he didn't, he didn't want to get involved with anything. No, he's like, just no cameras, which I don't even know if I believe. I could have sworn I saw, ca- anyway, no cameras, Barry. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, fuck. So now I have to just walk out of here and not, like, the person is in that room probably who hit my car voting <laughs> right now. I, I like that that was you taking matters into your own hands, going up and asking, do you have a camera? And then saying it's- no, and you saying, okay. It's not over, Barry. Oh, okay. Continue. <laughs> so then I was about to walk out, but then I said, no, no. I'm not letting this person get away with this. 
So I walk back to that big room where everyone's voting. And you know, it's quiet when everyone's voting. You're supposed to be very, it's supposed to be right, a private thing. Right, okay, Every, go ahead. It's basically like a library. Everyone's whispering. Everyone's all huddled up in their little fucking cubbies, circling dots. And I was steaming. And I walk in and I start yelling. No, you don't. I, yes, I said. Oh my God. You don't even know that they're still there. It, they, I was in there for left. three minutes. Well, somebody could have been exiting as you were entering. They drove off and hit the camera. You don't know that it was them pulling in that hit the camera off. They could have been leaving. You have no, It's a 50-50 shot if somebody's in there or not. Well, I said, excuse me, everybody. Whoever hit my car in the last three minutes and damaged my side view mirror and didn't have the guts to leave a note or tell anybody, thank you very much. Wow. Everyone's staring at me, Barry. And then... You know, in true Hardnick's life fashion, I just scream, fuck, no. as loud as I can. Are you serious? In, in anger. In an elementary school. It wasn't an elementary school. It was some sort of like <laughs> local building. Okay. I wasn't wow. proud of myself, Barry, but for that, for that like one minute of me saying that to the whole group, there's a chance that person was in there and you know they were uncomfortable. <laughs> I think everyone was uncomfortable, Greg. Every, I can't show my face in this town again. Oh, my gosh. And then I was still heated up after that. Well, I got to my car. Actually, by the way, I, I like was able to pick up the piece to right. the side view, and I just popped it back on. It was pretty yeah. easy. <laughs> <laughs> it took about a minute. Good for you. And it's back, it's back to normal now. Someone not that handy might not have been able to do it, though. So I, I thought it was like a $500 fix at first. <laughs> but I'm still angry even after that. And I'm, I, I, there's this line of cars trying to exit the parking lot onto the main road. Right. They're all waiting to turn left. I just fucking blow by them. <laughs> Cut everyone off. Cut everyone off on the main road. Everyone's honking at me. I just save the world, Barry. Voting day is a beautiful, it's a great, great experience. <laughs> All right, guys. So joining us for a few minutes tonight, we have JB from Nick's Film School, who we just saw at the first Nick's Film School posting and toasting Nick's viewing party this past Friday. JB, hello. Hey, guys. No, it's, it's good that we're all friends on the internet. But now we can actually say we've seen each other a few times. That's right. That's right. Now, JB, correct me if I'm wrong. You're actually appearing on Odd Podcast before you've appeared on one of your own podcasts. Is that right? No. Well, did I miss one no, that you were on? No, I did. Right. I did one. I've only done one, funny enough, on, on our own. But I've done, what, two of your guys or maybe even three. So <laughs> I've done a lot more of you guys than, than our own. Right. So is Macri... <laughs> Basically, like taking the reins of like the podcast bit of the whole Nick's Film School relaunch. Yeah, I mean he, he's he's basically going to lead that, and then I'll I'll be on a little more often than I've been. But I think you know it's funny. You guys kind of know obviously how I operate. It's like we wanted to have the podcast so we could do some things, but by no means does that did it mean to me like you know I wouldn't be jumping on a lot of other places. So I'll probably end out being on other people's pods more than our own, which will be kind of funny but that's just how it goes so the viewing party dude it, it was so much fun seeing everybody how much money did you rake in yeah so we ended out doing uh i think it came to 755 dollars for garden of dreams a lot of that actually came uh in raffle tickets that we sold off 
um you know slattery's was very gracious given you know the whole second floor of the bar and 10 percent of the proceeds but i think i sort of figured out as i was walking to the bar that 10 percent would require a lot of drinking for that number to uh, <laughs> turn into a, <laughs> right. a big number. Um, but so maybe next time we can we can get that up a, a little bit higher. But um, no, I mean, you, you guys were there. What did you think? I thought it was great. I mean, when you think about it, the fact that it didn't cost any money to hold it, you know, to hold the event, none of us or, or anybody profited from it. And yet in less than three hours, we were able to generate, you know, over $700 all going to Garden of Dreams. It's pretty... Um, you know, pretty amazing. Yeah, no, I think that thing about, like you're saying, no cost to us. I mean, we're already talking about the next date, but but that's just it. That That's really the best part for everyone involved. It's like you, you come out on a Friday night, which you might do anyways. It's nothing different than, you know, you would do otherwise, but it goes to a good cause. You get to be around a bunch of Knicks fans. And the fact that they might have had one of their, you know, more like wire to wire, uh, you know, great gains while we were there definitely helped to the energy. Yeah, I mean, JB, my favorite part was, you know, as a Knicks fan, we haven't had that many meaningful, exciting games over the past, like, 18 years where we can all get together and cheer our team on. And I don't remember, I mean, I don't remember the last time I was able to get together with a bunch of Knicks fans and just go nuts after every basket. It was such a great energy there that like, it's hard to, I mean, I feel bad for anyone who missed it. It That was the best part for me. Like after you talk to everyone for a few minutes, once the game starts, it's just everyone is just going so wild for every bucket Frank hits, especially Trier late in the game. Mitchell Robinson was having a great game. That was the best part for me. Mitchell Robinson had that reverse alley-oop uh, yeah, dunk that yeah. game, which is going to be a highlight for the rest of the season, if not his career. No, I know. And you're right. You're right. Because if you think about it, obviously that one, you know, random 54 win team there with, with Mello, but like, yeah, there just hasn't been, we're all literally watching these games huddled up in our homes with, you know, hoping our, our, our kids don't run in while we're recording a pod or breaking down video. And it's weird because even though, a lot of us who are more in like the content creation, we're doing it for like a larger audience. It's a pretty lonely experience because you're just sitting doing the actual work. So yeah, I totally agree to actually be there with people and interact. And I wasn't tweeting anything. I was just like, I just want to be like a real person for once that we can like slap five and cheer and, and that's it. Yeah, and I'm sure that there are like Nick's bars around. You know, I've never been to one, but I'm sure that they're there. But I'm sure it's nothing like this because this is like, you know, these people that met up this night, like all of us from Twitter, we don't go out to watch Nick's games with everybody all the time. So it was more of like a, a random thing, which is, I think, hyped everybody up. So I'm sure even in a Nick's bar, the energy wasn't like that, at least not for, not for a Nick's Mavs game, you know, three weeks into the season. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And these are the people that follow our social accounts, right? So they're... Like these fans are diehard fans. They're not casual fans. So everyone's so knowledgeable. Actually, I was just thinking the last time I remembered a feeling like that in New York City for Knicks games was during Lynn Sanity. I don't know what your situations were, but like I wasn't getting Knicks games back then because there was some sort of cable dispute going on. And so I remember going to bars just to watch Lynn Sanity. And it was a similar vibe, but JB, you weren't there. And Macri wasn't there, so nowhere is good. But 
Dude, it was so much fun. Just thank you for setting that all up. And Garden of Dreams came through with all those jerseys and hats and shirts. So Yeah, no, they they did a great job. And and thanks for you guys, obviously, helping us out. And it seems like in December, um, either we're going to crash Alex Wolf's wedding or we're going to find a date, (laughs) you know, to do it in a normal setting. Nice. So did Garden of... So you said 700 something bucks to Garden of Dreams. Did you actually hand them the money yet? Not yet, because it was funny, because Slattery's, I told them they could just um, donate directly to Garden of Dreams, uh, but they, they were really set on sending a check. So I'm actually waiting for that check to come in the mail, and then um, I'll put that combined with the raffle money. And um, I was like, yeah, I should come up with some fancy way to present a check, but I don't know like where you get those like giant checks that they like <laughs> hand out at Havacorn. <laughs> Um, cause I could just go out in my driveway in front of the basketball hoop and just hold like a giant check and get a picture. <laughs> That'd be um, yeah, but un- so unfortunately it'll probably be less ceremonial. I'll probably just, you know, do it online once I have all the money together, but I'll do some way where I at least, you know, show the receipt or something so people can see the money actually went there, um, you know, from the night. I'm, I'm waiting to see you, JB, at the end of the season on the floor of the garden, handing them a big check, which is going to re- represent like the sum of money throughout the entire season that we've all raised for Garden of Dreams. That's what I expect to see. Yeah, no, that that would be really neat if, you know, we end up doing a couple of these meetups. You know, I, I, I figured get the money to them, you know, sooner yes. rather than later. But yes. but you're right. If we could do something fun where at the end of the year we see what the total number is, um, you know, I bet you we can get it up there doing some fun things. We, do we want to talk about the train thing or dinner? Oh, yeah. No, I was going to a- ask you guys. So, you know, for, I guess, the listeners, after the viewing party, uh, we decided that, you know, it was, what time was it at that point? 1130 when um, we left the bar? Was it like yeah, it was between eleven thirty and midnight? The closer to midnight. So you know we're uh, grown men. My wife was with me, so grown grown men and grown women, and it's eleven thirty midnight. We all have you know families to get home to, but we decided the night that wasn't enough. We needed to uh, go get some Korean barbecue. Well, Craig was pushing for the Korean barbecue. It was I, Craig's yeah. idea, but I I wasn't <laughs> going to throw him under it because once once he suggested it, I was equally you know excited to do it but um but yeah when we when me and my wife left you guys i think it was i'm not gonna remember the time but let's say it was you know 105 and you guys had to make the train at like 109 and when i text you the next day i couldn't believe that you got <laughs> like 15 blocks it seemed in about four minutes so i was wondering how you did that yeah we were it was actually a 121 train if i didn't make that train dude i think my next train was at like 4 a.m but i think we had five minutes <laughs> So there was one person with Craig and I that were all going to catch the same train and we were outside the Korean barbecue place and Craig was in the restroom and we look at the time. It was 1.13 and the train was leaving at 1.21. Meanwhile, Craig was still inside the restaurant. And I think, JB, you said like you, you were looking at me and, and our buddy saying, you guys just want to go and like catch that train as if to say we're going to ditch Craig there, but <laughs> which we didn't do. Which um, J- but yeah, but so JB had... did kind of ditch me, by the way. <laughs> he did. He did. We said our goodbyes. Did JB that. didn't I even did wait. And I don't think he had a train to catch either. <laughs> I, had, I had no good excuse at all other than like, all right, we're standing in the middle of the city. Well, remember, we, we had to drive back. My wife was driving us back. So it was more me playing the card of like, all right, I've already made her, you know, sit through this entire night. It's like 1.30 in the morning. Maybe we should get moving. <laughs> so even though I enjoyed a meal with this guy, I'm going to... 
just yeah, no, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to say goodbye to, <laughs> to the other guys and, and leave while he's inside the restaurant. And how That's awkward true. was it? How awkward was it when we caught up to you guys at the corner after not having said goodbye? Well, no, but that's really funny enough how this whole thing happened because we had said our goodbyes leaving the bar and then we did that thing where, <laughs> you know, then we start walking and you realize, oh, shoot, we're we're now all walking together. Do like we re-engage in conversation? Like, you know, we've already said goodbye. Now it's awkward because then do I have to say goodbye again? Um, and then but, that's what turned yeah. into this whole thing. So really, I was just feeling like we had said our goodbyes at the bar. So therefore, there was really no reason to need to say goodbye again, right. especially when we kind of restarted instead, the whole Instead night. of saying goodbye again, you just decide to have dinner with us. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I think that's more appropriate in most cultures, right? And then we're all booking for this train. <laughs> we're flying by you at that light. And then what was it was awkward for me at that point because I was like, JB, you didn't even say goodbye, but I'm running by you. Right. <laughs> and then even as I'm running by you and I'm already like a hundred feet past you, I'm like, shit, is it rude that I didn't say goodbye to JB just now? <laughs> then I was like, no, fuck it. JB didn't even say goodbye to me when I was in the bathroom. That's right. That's right. So really this whole podcast was an elaborate thing to have us at the end of the podcast finally say goodbye. I'm not saying goodbye to you, JB. I'm just going <laughs> to hang up on you. But we made the train in case you were curious. Yeah, no, that I was thinking like, geez, because like you said, that next one was like two hours. What, so what would you have done? I mean, you would have just uh, waited or tried to Uber somewhere closer to home? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's been a bad situation. For me, I would have Ubered from somewhere nearby. The next train for me wasn't coming until about 2.50 after that 121. So that would have been brutal. I was already falling asleep on the train as it was. JB, I can't let you go without talking a little Knicks. Give us a little quick assessment on the Knicks 10 games into the season. You feeling good? You feeling bad? You like the direction? Have these past couple games tainted your uh, assessment of them? Yeah, well, yeah, the the Bulls game, uh, you know, I think everyone who's watching that kind of came away feeling the same way. I think up to that point, even, you know, the Washington game, uh, despite it turning out the way it did, the feeling I think everyone had was, this was the most exciting bad team the Knicks have had like ever, <laughs> right? Like they were losing games, but it felt like, I mean, you brought up Linsanity and, you know, and being at the viewing party, obviously it's not like that, but at the same token, it just seems like this momentum like keeps building with, you know, uh, Trier and Mitchell Robinson. And then obviously Knox has been injured, but then the excitement of him coming back. So it's like that same sort of feeling where, it's something separate from the results. It's about the players that people are getting excited about. Um, so that's been fun. But yeah, I mean, I think now we set a little more into the stretch of the schedule where we can, you know, get beyond maybe the hyper excitement of these guys and start evaluating a little more like, you know, what I don't even want to say what we think they'll be because it's even too early for that. But, you know, so what what some of their scars are on their games and um you know we saw the bulls trying to trap uh trier a lot and the knicks had trouble with that um you know coming out of timeouts i think you know we saw that big time in the bulls game but i know a lot of knicks fans have been talking about that you know fitzdale's on this honeymoon where he can't do anything wrong and even if he does do something wrong he'll say it in the post-game press conference and then everyone will love it for him for saying it but you know there has been that's something that you know has been uh, troublesome to watch is that why are these guys who seem to be really locked in with Fizdale 
um, and every other facet, why are they coming out of timeouts and literally just not even running the play that they just drew up like 30 seconds before? Um, so yeah, so like I said, I think there's a lot of fun and um, obviously individual player storylines, but now in a weird way, I'm excited to get into the part where we get a little more meat, but with the meat comes a little more maybe of the you know the baggage of being a young team that that still has a lot to learn couldn't agree more jb thank you for joining us don't want to keep you any more from your wife <laughs> yeah no problem all right thanks a lot guys we'll talk later to you. jb thanks jb bye so that was jb from nick film school everyone check out www.nicksfilmschool.com so Barry, like I mentioned at the start of the show, the Frank haters are back. He's sort of uh, gone back into his shell like a little turtle. Yeah, worse than that. I mean, his last four games, I mean, he's averaging four points per game. Oh, here we go. Bring out the notebook. For, <laughs> 24% from the field and 0 of 13 from three. I, I will, if you want to shine a little bright light somewhere out of those last four games, he did have two games where he got seven assists, you know, against Indiana and Dallas, but... Uh, but yeah, no, his offensive numbers have been bleak. The game against the Pacers and the game against the Mavericks, right? He had seven assists each in those games, which is actually, I mean, that's like three times as many assists as anyone else gets on that team. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I didn't even consider those games that horrible. But the past two games against the Bulls and the Wizards, yeah. I mean, against the Bulls, it was, uh, I mean, I'm the biggest Frank fan there is, and he was uh, basically invisible everywhere. Right. I think I saw someone post that he's had three rebounds in his last 108 minutes. Yeah, well, I mean, he was also is... invisible. I think he played the least amount of minutes that game. You know, he only played 16 minutes against the Bulls. And that's in a double overtime. Right, yeah. I mean, it, when it wasn't working, when Fizdale saw it was not working with Frank or Mitchell Robinson that game, he pretty much just benched them. They were combined 0 for 8. They played 27 minutes combined, zero points for both of them. Frank was a minus 17. Mitchell was a minus nine. And, uh, I mean, a big part of the reason why Frank never went back in was Emmanuel Moutier actually showed us a little something in that game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was basically a career game for him. I don't know if it was a career game, Barry, but it was his best game as a Nick. There you go. Six, 16 points, six boards, two assists in 34 minutes, seven of 16. He only fell down once or twice. And he had that great fast break layup to tie the game in double OT with just a couple seconds left. But then he had, you know, two blunders, you know, late in that game, you know, with the pass that he couldn't get to Cantor that was that was uh, stolen on the inbound pass under the, you know, on the baseline. And then at the end of the game, Fallon uh, Levine sending him to the line to uh, to put the game away. Oh, Levine was. Levine, Levine. No, he's been having some season. He's 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 uh he's some player. And if there's any solace for Knicks fans, Levine, Levine, Barry, what is it? Zach. Levine, Zach Levine. You know he came back from a torn ACL, and look at him now. He was like looked like Michael Jordan out there. <laughs> he was just hitting like every three he took late in that game. Every time the Knicks were starting to come back, he would pull the Bulls further away right towards yeah. the end of that regulation. Somehow, I mean, you got to give it to the Knicks a little bit. There, We were without Tim Hardaway Jr. that whole game. Frank was doing nothing. Mitchell was doing nothing. And the Knicks just fought and clawed their way back, came back from like 10 down, and came back from Zach Levine just tearing them up late. 
to tie the game and send it to OT. Dude, that was Alonzo Trier's first start. Uh, how'd you think he did? He struggled. How'd you think? How'd you think he did? <laughs> well, that's excellent English. How did you think he did? How did you think he did? Is that right or wrong? How do I think he did? How do you think he did? Well, or or if if you're asking me how, like right after the game yesterday, right? How did I think how, he did? How did you think too? he did? And then how do you think he did now, a day later? Well, I think it's the same. Uh, okay. Which is, I think he struggled. For whatever reason that is, whether it was nerves. I mean, you, you heard Clyde talking about it all night. He remembers back to his first start, and he was a ball of nerves. So we all know how confident and cool and collected Trier has been. But, you know, you don't know what's going inside. It's first his first NBA start. I mean, he's been dreaming. Of, I mean, he's been in the NBA now for a bunch of games. But this is his first start. You know, you always think of that that moment. He wanted to seize that moment, which he didn't throughout the course of the game until it mattered most at the end. And, I mean, then he was back to the way he's been. He was uh, on fire. I mean, when he hit that three, you know, uh, you know, at the, at the end of the game in regulation, um, and, I mean, he, he was – he turned it on. He put the gas on at the end of that game. So I overall, after all said and done, I think he had a great game. Mr. Statman, Barry, did you notice that in that game against Chicago, he had twice as many missed field goals as he has had as he had in the previous four games combined? Yeah, well, I mean, he had been so efficient. I mean, I don't know what his field goal percentage going into that game was, but I know usually, like, he had a bunch of games where he was like 8 for 10, 7 for 8. You know, he, he had been really, really... Um, high efficiency. And he does it from everywhere on the court. You know, he gets his points from inside the paint. He gets his points from deep. So it's not like, um, you know, those high field goal percentage players where, you know, 99% of their points are coming from inside the paint. No, he does it all. Right. He was 5 for 15 in that game, a big 9 for 9 from the line, ended up finishing with 21 points. Over the past three games, he's had two 20-plus point games for an undrafted rookie. And on the season now, he's shooting 49% from the field. Yeah, I mean, he he plays like a bona fide all-star. I mean, and it's not just the numbers he's putting up. It's the way that he gets them. You know, just, just you know, the moves that this guy has, the skills that he has. He's so good. So much fun to watch. I mean, he's definitely becoming one of my favorite Knicks. Let's listen to the sound from after that game, Barry. He, speaks, he's, he talks a little bit about the slow start he got off to and coming on late in the game. What is it about your ability to stay in the present and not allow what happened earlier in the game to affect what you were doing late? I try to have a short memory, continue to make the right basketball play. Early on, they were making it really tough on me. They were doubling me every time I came off a pick, uh, running a lot of guys at me. And um, that, I don't think we were really ready for that. We didn't expect that to happen early on, so we were kind of a little bit out of whack with that. But had to try to adjust as the game goes on. I kind of got a better feel of where my spots would be to attack, and I tried to take advantage of that and be better. What did you think about Fizdale leaving the same five guys in from the end of regulation through the entire first overtime and through the entire second overtime? You know, the, the, we know that this team has a pretty deep bench, albeit, you know, it's not like they're, uh, you know, they're not the Boston Celtics or like this great team, but they're a deep team where, you know, they have a lot of guys that can contribute. They pride themselves on being a fast-paced team, um, an athletic team. What did you think about Fizz not putting in a set of fresh legs into the uh, into that group? I mean, I had no problem with that just because there were very few guys on the Knicks that night that were playing well. Right. And it happened to be those five guys. And it's hard to 
pull guys in and out of overtime. They're just playing five minutes and they're getting breaks in between. I didn't have a problem with that. Right, right. Yeah, I would yeah, have loved I'm, to. I would have preferred if Mitchell and Frank didn't just end up in the doghouse like they did in that game. Because I feel like you have to give some of the young guys a chance to redeem themselves within the game. Right, which, I mean, Trier definitely did. Right, he gave Trier a chance, even though he was horrible heading into the fourth quarter. Um, I would like to see Frank and Mitchell have that opportunity to overcome. They're not always, they're young. these guys are 20 years old. They're going to have slow starts to games. They might not have a good first half. Um, but Fisdale yep. wanted the win, man. He was yeah, I wouldn't playing kill, the guys I wouldn't, who put them in the best chance. I wouldn't kill Phil. Uh, I wouldn't kill Fizz for doing that, you know, um, and keeping those guys in. It's just you know two different ways that you could go about it. But yeah, I didn't have a big issue with it. I was just curious how you felt about it. What did you think about Knox playing five minutes in that game? What was the point of that? I don't know. You know, I really, <laughs> I really don't get like, it. You know, at least heck? give him five minutes in the first half. Five, you know, you could have sprinkled him in five minutes in the second half as well. Um, maybe. The slot he would have put him in was to relieve Hazonia, and Hazonia, I thought, was playing well. He had a lot of nice cuts. He was moving a lot without the ball. He was handling the ball well. I think Hazonia, I've been happy with the way he's played the last four games. Like, in that, and, you know, I like what I've seen. I, you know, I, we were talking about last week how, you know, he was screwing up the flow of the offense and it wasn't really a good fit. I think these last few games of his, I think he's been finding his groove a little bit and um, has been participating in the offense more as far as getting the ball around and not just keeping it for himself. And the times that he has kept it for himself, he's been, you know, completing more times than he hasn't. Yeah, a lot of people are low on Hazonia, but I think that's just because of the expectations people had for him. Even I thought he was going to end up being like a starter for us. But if you just view him as a guy off the bench who's going to get playing time if he's playing well, and when he's playing well, I'm a fan of Hazonia. He's super active and he's aggressive. He's great on the break. Does he take horrible shots sometimes and make bad passes sometimes? Yes, but he's a great energy guy off the bench, and he's big, and he's active, and he's competing. I'm a fan of him. Another guy off the bench, the new sixth man for the Knicks, Barry. Now, I don't even know if he's the sixth man. Ennis Cantor played 41 minutes that night off the bench. Yep, and he did something that hasn't been done since 1986 by Charles Barkley. Right, 23, 24, and 7. Seven assists, Barry. Yeah, first time any players come off the bench with over 20 points, over 20 rebounds, and five assists. Right, and Fisdale spoke before that game about Cantor and how he's accepting his new role, and he thinks it'll be good for him. He could end up being like the sixth man of the year in the NBA. Yeah, do you buy that? That that, that that's true that he's accepted his role? I don't know. I don't know. He, he, he had another one of these dot tweets. Yep. I'm sticking by what I said last time. I think it's just him saying, you know, I've got a lot to say, but I'm not going to say nothing. So, so when did he do the second? I'm holding it in. When did he do the second dot tweet? Uh, I think it was earlier that day, wasn't it? It was Sunday at 10.21 p.m. So that was after the Wizards game. It was right after the loss to the Wizards. He, he did a dot tweet. I don't, know, I don't know what those tweets mean, Barry, but it doesn't sit well with me. That he's doing these sort of, like, he's messing around on Twitter. Like, who knows what kind of message he's trying to send after a loss. Is he unhappy? He's still coming off the bench. Is that why he did it? Yeah, he's like, look at me. I came off the bench. You know, I only played 24 minutes. I still got a double-double, 18 points, 12 boards. And you're still going to have me come off the bench? Dot. Is that what he's doing? Because Robinson only had 10 and 6 
and he came off the bench and like you said at 18 and 12 yeah he's is like he, is he is he still i mean does that sit well with you it's not a good attitude to have no no it's not and this is a guy that you know everybody said going into the scene this is a guy that fills the locker room with energy positive energy you know such a team guy i love new york the knicks are the best team these are my family come on if it's your family you do what's right for your family you know? Yeah, you should be upset with the loss. It doesn't matter about your personal achievements in that game. Here, so, to get a, so everyone could hear a little more than just a, a dot or a period, here's his post-game sound after the loss against the Bulls. Yeah, I'm sure he slips in here somewhere, I'm going to lead the second unit. Because that's the phrase that he has in his head that he just fucking repeats verbatim. You're the first player to, since Charles Barkley in 1986, to go over 20, 25 assists off the bench. Uh, how much did it mean to you to be with the same lineup that coach used late in the first and second overtime? I mean, it's good because like, I mean, every time I'm out there, man, especially with the uh, second unit, I'm, I'm saying this every time, but the like, coach told me to go out there and just lead the second unit, and th that's what I'm trying to do. Um, and I think, you know, just with the assists and everything, you know, I know they're going to come double team every every time. Every team going to come double team moment. So my thing is just say, just uh, make the extra pass and make my teammates better. And uh, they've been doing an amazing job, you know, pa passing, uh, passing, me, uh, passing me the ball. So I'm just... Uh, Trying to make their uh, job easier. I'm happy with what Fizdale's done so far, but I am confused by the the whole minutes thing. And I don't know if he's still just trying to figure this team out. But like we were saying, Knox played five minutes, right? Understandable. He came back from. I don't. It's not really understandable why he just played five minutes, but he came back from that ankle injury, right? Fizdale wanted to get the win. Another guy who played just five minutes, dude, used to be starting on this team, Lance Thomas. Yeah, well, I mean, he's been struggling for the most part. You know, his defense has still been good. You know, you, you got to give him that. He's always up in guys' faces. He is causing turnovers. You know, I do not consider him an overrated defender, which a lot of people do. He showcases it every game. But, uh, but yeah, he's, his minutes are going to take a reduction. Look, you can see what Fizdale's doing, you know. They, 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 what, what was it? it? Was this last game against the Bulls, right? The youngest starting five in Knicks history. The average age was like twenty one point eight years old. Um, I mean, he's giving minutes to these younger guys to get them the experience that they need. He knows these are going to be the future core guys, or he doesn't know, but he's seeing if they will be. And there's a good chance most of these guys will be. Um, so the best experience for them is game time, you know, and playing with one another. Right. One of the young guys that is now in this. This constant battle for minutes on this team and getting Fizdale's attention is Moutier, who Fizdale seems to have a little bit of a crush on, right? I I don't know. I mean, come on. Does he have a crush <laughs> he talk, on? I don't know. He talked up Moutier a lot when he joined the team. Well, he said, we're going to get you right. He was, play, he was playing. He was playing with him. <laughs> but, I mean, I, again, it's early enough in the season. Fizdale started off by saying he wants to get, you know, these – these sets of five games here and there to see different players play. So now it's Moutier's turn. You know, that's all. Moutier's only played in four games this whole season. So let's not get carried away, number one, by what he's doing on the court, and number two, by Fizdale seeing what Moutier has to offer. All right? Mark mark my words, Barry. Don't be shocked if Moutier starts the next the next game. I won't be shocked. And, and you shouldn't... It shouldn't matter that much, okay, if he starts. Guys are still going to get his, their minutes. I mean, we saw with the, the first the first five games, even though there were certain people starting, other people got their minutes and off the bench. It's fine. It's fine. He wants to see if this progress continues for Moutier. I want to see it too. You know, I, I'm not a huge fan of Moutier, but if he keeps right, performing up. like that, why, fine. 
why are you speaking to me this way? Like, I shouldn't be shot. Do you, th- you think I'm going to be su- really upset if Frank gets taken out of the starting lineup? I think you will be upset, but you shouldn't be. Fizdale said that he's going to play around with the starting lineup. Yeah, dude, I don't think I am going to be. I, oh, I've okay. Seen, I've, so the, you're, in the you're beginning... The you're the one that posed the question to me. Am I going to be shocked if Moutier is in the starting lineup? As if to say, I should be. No, I didn't pose a question, Barry. You're not you listening. You did. You told me before this show you were going to listen to me, and now you're not listening to me. Didn't I said, you say, don't be well, shocked. I, uh, you, I, I want to go back I said, and fucking listen to that. I'll, I'll, I, you know, you, you can fucking me, listen. You can listen to it. If, if Moutier... Oh, I I, no, you? I said, don't be shocked. Hmm. And you'll hear it in the, when you you listen to the show in the morning. Okay. And if there's some off chance that I said, would you be shocked? I'm going to change it to don't be shocked. <laughs> you better not. <laughs> but um, no, I will. So I'm going to be right no matter what. But dude, the way Fizdale is sort of changing these starting lineups every game, Burke, not every game, but every few games. Yeah, you can't be upset. The players can't be that upset. If they get taken out of the starting lineup in favor of someone else, the fans can't be that upset. Nothing is permanent. Like you said, Fizdale's trying to figure it all out, and they're all going to play. Whoever's You're seeing, basically, that Fizdale's just playing the guys who deserve to play every game. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter how much money they make. It doesn't matter how long they've been on the team or how young they are or or if he started them early in the season. None of that matters. He's playing each game who deserves to play with a little bit of an eye on the future, right? Right. That's where you say right, Barry. Right. That is where you say right. <laughs> <sighs> I'm not taking any of your shit tonight, Barry. None. Good. Good. Fizdale was posed that question by a reporter about the young guys in our team and their take-no-shit attitude. Take a listen. seems to have like kind of Barry, that was from after the Wizards game where we lost, but we did gain some respect of guys like Bradley Beal and John Wall. What did you think of the battle between Wall and Trier? Oh, again, I mean, Trier. Oh, <laughs> oh. Trier, that's, that's good. 10 games into his NBA career. And, you know, he's going he's going at these guys like he's a seasoned vet, like he's been playing with these guys for years. Um, I loved it. I love the intensity. I love him not backing down. Um and especially not just against any NBA player, but a guy like John Wall, who you know is a top echelon respected player in this league. I loved it. I loved it. Take no shit from anybody. Right. John Wall had that hard foul on Trier, hit him on the head. Trier got up and talked some shit to Wall. Yeah, and I don't even think it was Wall that hit him in the head. It was the other guy. He just thought he thought it was Wall. Doesn't matter. We're not taking shit from any elbows, no matter who they come from. That's right. And then Bradley Beal had some nice things to say about Alonzo after the game. Alonzo Trier told me that 
you pulled him over, talked to him a little bit about his game, that that meant a lot to him because you're someone who he's followed in this league. What do you think about his game? He's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. It's crazy because he does remind me of myself, except he might even be a, a lot more aggressive coming into the league than I was. You know, he has a, a huge ship on his shoulder. The sky's the ultimate limit for him, man. It's, it's crazy to think he was undrafted. You know, that's kind of disrespectful in a way with the way he's playing. Barry, running theme. Running theme this season, dude. The Knicks are slowly earning the respect, maybe not through wins, but just by competing out there That's and by right. having young guys on the floor, right? Durant said they earned his respect. Yep, that's right. Curry said Nicolina earned his respect. Nicolina, Nicolina, is that how you pronounce it? And now Beal and Wall. Slowly, the Knicks are earning respect back from the league, and nothing but good can come out of that. Even I saw in the Wizards game, I saw John Wall yucking it up with Fizdale on the sideline during a, a free throw or something. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I, I don't know why I like that, but I like it. <laughs> you know, I mean, Fisdale has relationships, dude, and these guys are talking good about the Knicks. Maybe one of them is going to come here one day. Speaking of yucking it up, because I just got the visual in my head after you said you saw Fisdale laughing on the side with Wall, later on in that game, when uh, after the incident with Trier and Wall, on the defensive end, Trier was up in Wall's face, up against the sideline, as Wall was yes. dribbling the ball, and, and yeah, Wall great. just carelessly got the, let the ball away, and Trier <laughs> was super pumped up and slapped Coach Fizdale. Oh. You know, uh, slapped him five. That was great. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Fizdale Wall cannot hide his emotion, dude. Oh no, yeah. Wall was like, uh, "What was going on?" Wall, Wall was trying to nonchalantly dribble the ball like he wasn't phased with Trier's blatant intensity, right. and yet it, the ball goes out <laughs> off his leg. And then Wall, and then Trier was like clapping in Wall's fit towards Wall's yep. direction. Yeah. That's right. I mean, Trier didn't even do anything defensively in that, but he was just engaged. Yeah, no, he was swaying back and forth. <laughs> he was low. He had his arms side to side. You know, he was ready to go. Yeah. And then Wall just bounced the ball off his foot. Fizdale went nuts, slapped Trier high five, and dude, I mean, we're losing. But it's fun again. Yeah, and hey, even against the Bulls, normally like in the last five minutes of games, we're losing outright. We pushed it to two overtimes before we lost. So we kept the losing theme going. It just took longer to do it this time. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll turn it around. Who knows? If we could just get the Frank haters to shut the fuck up, I might actually start enjoying this season. People have to just learn to chill. And like, I don't mind if you have an opinion about a guy. I don't mind if you want to comment about a particular game, but you can't make the entire player's makeup about that game. Like that game doesn't represent doesn't represent his entire makeup. You know, especially even if you want to take a full season or two full seasons this early in a guy's career. The guy's clearly still developing. It's clearly I mean, we're not even a month into the season yet. I mean, let Frank continue to show who he's going to be. All right? You don't like him? Fine, but don't tell me that he's he's scum, he's a nothing, he's never going to amount to anything. You don't fucking know. He's a bust, he's garbage, he's trash. Get the fuck out of here. Those first two games that Frank started, after Hornacek toyed with him all last season, he's 20 years old. Those first two games that Fizzle started for him, he played great. He had 16 points, 17 points, ran the offense well. Before that, the Frank haters were just saying, you know, Frank needs to show me something, anything, anything. Just like a double-digit scoring game or show me any sign of being anything other than a defensive player. And he showed you that in back-to-back -back games. 
early in this season. And then what happens? He has a few struggling, a few games where he struggles, and it's back to the kid is trash. Are there, these, these, these Frank haters want him to fail. But I don't know who the fuck they want to start a point guard for us. Is there anyone even close to being as good? No. No, no that's where you say no, Barry. <laughs> I mean, Moutier is going to start any day now to give him a shot, and that's fine. But, Jude, you're right. Everyone needs to chill out with these young guys. Frank is 20 years old. Trey Burke, his days as a Nick are numbered. So all the Trey fans can stop being obsessed about how he should be playing more than Frank. Well, what? Because Trey has a few years on Frank? You're going to tell me that you can't give Trey the benefit of the doubt? And maybe he's going through a small stretch here of things not working out for him? You're not going to give him I the don't... same courtesy as Nilakina? I think Trey is losing his place on this team. Okay, I don't think he's a starting point guard. I think he's too small. That's fine. I think his his strength is as an offensive threat, a spark plug off the bench. His his strong suit is not setting up his teammates. His strong suit is looking for his own game, right? His strong suit is keeping the dribble up and getting to the basket, sometimes setting up his teammates. His mid-range shot is good. His shot is good. But now that we have Alonzo, dude, how important is Trey to this team? Look, Alonzo Trier is not going to play 48 minutes for this team. And he's not going to play every position on this team. You need a deep bench. I'm not, you know, I'm not writing need, off but Burke you don't yet. Need, you don't need more than like four guards. Four or five. Right. And so we're going to continue to see how these guys do. And I mean, to say his days are numbered. I'd say the jury's still out on that, you know. He won't be here next season, Barry. If I had to bet on it, I'd probably side with you. That's right. The same way you should be siding with, with me about don't be shocked. Don't be shocked, Barry. Hmm. I was happy to see Frank do that Instagram post where he was up at 1.57 a.m. in the morning after a double overtime loss. Shooting. Well, I don't know if he was shooting, but he was in the locker room with the lights off at 1.57. Maybe he was just sleeping. But I'm assuming he was working on his game. Ten games in, how are you feeling about the season, Barry? I pretty much feel like we're where we're supposed to be. I mean, I don't know what anybody else was expecting. I was expecting our record to be what it is. Um, I do... You were expecting it to be three and seven, three and eight. Sorry, we're eleven games into the season. Yeah, eleven games in the season. That's. Right. I've been saying it's ten games the whole show. Ten's a nice no number, one, but yeah, no, we're eleven. No games. one's corrected me once. <laughs> well, hopefully, nobody tuned out because of that. <laughs> we'll let it. We'll let it slide. But you know, I've been impressed with what we've seen from certain players that I didn't know much about, like Noah Vonley. Um, but you know, I guess. I mean, the, my biggest thing as far as what we got to work on, and I don't know where this is going to come from. I guess it's got to come from Fisdale, but it's these these games that we're losing, being there all the way through, and then those last five minutes. The NBA has this stat. It's called the clutch stat. And what the clutch stat is, it basically looks at your winning percentage. If in the last five minutes of a game, there's a five-point differential or less, and the Knicks are dead last in the NBA. And like there are some teams that have only been in that situation two times, other teams that have been in that situation eight times. The Knicks found themselves in that situation five times, and that within five minutes to go, 
they've been within five points and they're zero and five this season. They're last in the NBA in that clutch stat, and that's an area where obviously they, they need to improve. But then again, who knew they would be that close in games this early in the season? Honestly, so far it's been a perfect season for me. We're watching the young guys play a ton of minutes. Yeah, we're in the bottom five of the league. I don't want to tank, but dude, if we get to see the young guys play all season, if they're competing. Like what they a difference are. from last year. I mean, we didn't start Ugh. seeing that till the end of the season, right out of the gate. Do you realize Friday night against Dallas, Dotson led the team in minutes? Let me repeat that. Damian Dotson led the Knicks in minutes with 36 minutes Friday night. I mean, he was like non-existent last year. Hornacek like, couldn't see him. Yeah, he, I mean, I don't want to talk about Hornacek again because we do all the time. He wasted last season. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think we're going to end up in the bottom five this year because... As these young guys get their footing, we're going to start to win a few more games. KP is probably going to come back for a little bit. But dude, even if we do end up in the bottom five, at least it's going to be a productive year in getting these young guys, getting their feet wet, right? Last year was basically a waste of a rookie year for Frank. He could have done all this last season. Yeah, yeah. He's like tracking behind. Right. So we're doing it with Mitchell now. Maybe now that Knox is back in, he's going to start to get some minutes and we can finally see what he's about. Trier. You know, it's going to be, even if we lose a ton of games, and we will, Barry, it's been fun so far, and that's my fucking assessment. Fun. Yep. Fun. And if we don't take any shit from anyone and we gain respect around the league, that's a positive season. Positivity, Barry. That's the, that's the new outlook for the hard Knicks life. I thought the new outlook for the hard Knicks life was take no shit. And take no shit. Positivity and take no shit. And don't let anybody, even at a polling place, fuck up your car. Without letting them hear about it. That was me taking no shit, Barry. Yes. Do you see how that works? See how it comes fucking full circle? Yep. Love it. You should take no shit in your life. And none of you should take any shit in your life. It's a hard Nick's life enough already. That's going to do it for the show today, goddammit, Barry. You can reach out to us at takenoshit at gmail.com. <laughs> no. On Twitter, at takenoshit. <laughs> no. That's not the You real can call one. us, 516. Take no shit. 516-33-MESH-1. Give it a 516-33-MESH-1. 336-3741. Call us or don't because most of you don't. So it's fucking fine. The upcoming schedule, Barry, give it to us. All right, well, Wednesday night, we're away at Atlanta. I'm not going to mm. call that an easy win. I know we took them at our place, but I wouldn't be surprised if they take it back at theirs. Um, then on Saturday, we're away at Toronto. And then um, again on Sunday against Orlando back at home. A little homecoming for Mario Hazonia against his former team, the Magic. I'm sure everyone's excited about that. How many games are we going to win in those three, Barry? Atlanta, Toronto, Orlando? One. Right. We're going to get spanked by Toronto. We're going to get spanked by Toronto. We'll probably lose a close one in Atlanta. But I think we're going to have a big win against Orlando. In the second game of back-to-back, that's very un-Knicks-like, Barry. Well, again, they're going to get a good night's sleep. It's a 3 o'clock game on Saturday. Although they do have to fly back. That's at night. Well, they'll be fine. Look, did they, did they look like they're they like were twenty years? Look, like did 20. they lose? Did they lose that game in double overtime, which was the second of a back-to-back because they were tired in the end, 
or they just got outplayed. I don't think they looked tired. And and those guys were on the floor for a lot at the end of that game. So I don't I know. They looked pretty they looked pretty tired throughout look, that game. Look, it's early enough in the season and they're young enough. They're not going to be tired from a back-to-back. Do you see what's going on here, Barry? We're now the now the the close music has been playing for like five fucking minutes. All right, let's get let's get let's get the fuck out of here. Until next time, All right, guys. guys. It's a hard until next, next time. It, what? Yeah, oh, I just said it. All right, you just fucking took that away from me. My moment. Well, usually we both say it. You can still say it. I didn't take it. All right, jump That's in. True. Take no shit, and it's a hard next life. Are you going to take any shit tomorrow, Barry, from anyone? I'm going to make, you know, after hearing you tonight, I'm going to be all pepped up. I'm not taking shit off of nobody. Taking shit off of anyone? Why would you be removing shit from people? Taking shit off of people? Yeah, don't take no shit off of nobody. What is that? You sound like you're from The Sopranos. Didn't you ever see Goodfellas? Oh, is that a Goodfellas reference? I think that's from Goodfellas. You think? Never rat on your friends and always keep your mouth shut. There you go. It is a hard Nick's life. life. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.